Hey gang, it's Andy Petronic, and welcome back to the Whole Life Podcast. I am super excited today because you are going to get to hear from our my guest. His name's Danny Dreyer. He's the he's the com- creator and the author of a book called Chi Running. A Revolutionary Approach to Effortless, Injury-Free Running. It's a book that's been out for 18 years. Danny, I call him kind of the one of the godfathers of the teaching of running form, running technique, proper running technique. He and uh, Nicholas Romanoff really were the two guys to bring running technique to the forefront of of the world and it's not to say that no one else teaches running but these guys were their their methods their methods are very similar and uh danny's uh chi running is based on his experience believe it or not in tai chi and the breath and um efficiency and Look, when I first learned about the need for, or the idea that there was a need for learning how to run, I thought, okay, this is ridiculous. What do you mean? <laughs> I know how to run. I've been running since I was, since I could walk, basically. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, I, look, I'm thinking about my son. The moment he could balance on two feet, he was running. There was no... I mean, it might have been two days or three days before he was willing to run. But he, (laughs) I mean, it's just the first thing you learn how to do. The interesting thing is over time, as we stop running, as we start to sit more and we wear shoes instead of going barefoot, um, we, we lose the natural proprioceptive neurofeedback loops that were built in to our species from the, you know, from the beginning of time. And, well, not the beginning of time. Well, whenever we started walking on two feet as humans. And, uh, like, for example, did you know that, that a majority of the proprioceptors in your body are in the bottoms of your feet? Proprioceptors are the things that, uh, that allow your brain to know where you are in space and the reason we're so good at keeping our balance is because of all the proprioceptors in our feet they tell us where we are our our, our inner ear helps too but proprioception proprioception is critical to our gait our gait patterns and the moment you put on normal shoes like shoes with a heel lift shoes that have thick bottoms cushiony soles um, you lose proprioception. You lo- like one of the easiest ways to teach somebody how to run, um, as long as they're connected to, you know, um, you can check into the bottoms of their feet, is just take their shoes off. Run outside on concrete, on a hard surface, barefoot. And immediately you'll notice changes. Now, the great thing about Danny's technique is it, it doesn't just do that. It doesn't just, you know, that's not the only way to learn and that's not the only thing to do. Um, the, be, because if you go do that and you just start running barefoot all the time, you will probably 
get injured. Um, it, it is really, I just really want to throw out there that running, changing your running form is a very significant thing and it needs to be done incrementally and in steps and slowly so that you don't mess yourself up. You do not want to mess your feet up, your ankles up, your gait up, your knees up, your hips up, because it just moves upstream and will can be quite debilitating in the long run. Um, boy, this is a long introduction to my guest today. It, 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 it's really, this guy, I mean, trust me, this stuff is incredibly meaningful to me personally because running to me is the most natural form of human movement. So it's the simplest way to go out and interact in the world. And, you know, some people might argue that we were, we, we were as human beings adapted to run. We're, I, I'm, you know, there's a famous book that, um, gosh, his, na his name, the author's name is blowing out of my head right now called Born to Run that, you know, humans were adapted specifically to run, you know, from the endurance hunters that would hunt down a, a gazelle over three days of chase. We can't, we can't keep up with a gazelle, but we certainly can run it down over time. And some would argue that that's, that's our unique, that's one of, that's the, the unique quality. We're not as strong as apes. We're not as agile as apes, but boy, we can, we can hunt. We can run. And Danny will, will give you some really basic foundational techniques to try to, from, to, to work on in our, in our conversation. And then, you know, I really encourage you if you're so intrigued or so inclined to go out and get his book because it's, um, it's really great stuff. So that's a long introduction of our guest today. I want to change gears for a second um, because we are we are in week. I've lost track of what week we're in in the whole life challenge. I think we're on day around day 40, 30, maybe 35. Good grief. Should, shouldn't I know that? The day this podcast comes out will be October 29th and we will have two more weeks in the challenge. And I'll tell you what, I am getting, uh, this is the st stage where it gets hard for me to stay in the game, to keep my momentum, to stay committed. You know, last night I sat down on the couch after dinner and I was like, God, I really want an ice cream sandwich. And you know what I did? I ate one. And, uh, you know, that to me is not staying committed to what I'm really up to in the, in the game and in the challenge. And I'm, you know, I got to accept that about what I did. And at the same time, I've got to, uh, you know, I want to try to do better today. So I just encourage you in this phase of the challenge, usually it's weeks five, six, and seven that become really, really hard to continue the practice, the mundane practice of doing the daily ritual work making the right choices each day and the right choices, you know, whatever, making good choices each day. And that's really what the message of the whole life challenge is to continue doing that through the duration of the challenge. Don't stop. And if you did stop one day, jump back in, just jump back in. No big deal. 
No big deal. Don't let go of the idea that you need to worry about points. And now that I mention it, the sponsor of the podcast is the Whole Life Challenge. Yes. We keep this thing free for you. We don't have any sponsors right now of the challenge, now, or of, of the podcast. Doesn't mean we, we, we never will, but uh, the way we can do that is by growing our audience. We, it, it, you know, we, we can't really afford to keep this thing, you know, I, it's a lot of work to do a podcast. Holy cow, I should, I should do a podcast on the rigor, the amount of work it takes and the process that we have for building the podcast. It's a lot. It's five or six people. It, you know, some of the people are doing small jobs, but it's not just recording an interview and sticking it up online. And I just want to let you guys know, we want to keep, keep it free, keep, keep it sponsor free as long as we can, but I need your help. I need you. If you get something out of this podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Write a review. Don't just, don't just give it, you know, four or five stars or however many stars you want to give it, but, but write something. That is how we get this message out into the rest of the world. And that is how we kind of analyze our process, our process, our effectiveness, our effectiveness. So please go do that. I'm going to read a, a recent review, review, my review of the week. And this is from Sasha Lash from October 10th of this year. And uh, the review says, it's a five-star review. It says, like a good friend without the nagging. Andy is like a good friend without the nagging. Like medicine you took as a kid was good for you and tasty too. Andy interviews his guests like he's a kid in a candy store. I think he enjoys interviewing people more than the interviewees like being on the show. <laughs> His curiosity is infectious, always enjoyable and good for you, parentheses, without even realizing it. There you go. That's the review of the week. So thank you, Sasha Lash. And I look forward to reading more of these and I look forward to seeing your reviews um, in on our iTunes page. It's a little bit of a pain to get to iTunes. If you go to the bit.ly link, uh, WLC... I'm sorry, it's Whole Life Podcast, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Whole Life Podcast. It will take you to the website, the iTunes website, and then you have to open it in iTunes, whether it's on your phone or the computer. And once you open up in iTunes, you'll see on the left-hand side, or a, I'm sorry, at the top, a button that says Ratings and Reviews, and you go in there to leave a rating and uh, read review. So um, that's it. Please get in there and do that. Super, um, super appreciate it. And um, that's it. We're going to get on with the podcast now because it's time. And um, I've been rambling on. So that's it. I hope you, uh, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Danny Dreyer because it's, it's fantastic and it's a doozy and I got a ton out of it. Here we go.
Hey everyone, I'm Andy Petronic, and this is the Whole Life Challenge Podcast. It's the place we talk to exceptional people about the things that make them tick, exploring their life successes, lessons learned, daily habits and secrets, what helped them to get where they are, and how they stay on top of their game. My guest this morning is Danny Dreyer. He's the author of Chi Running, a revolutionary approach to effortless injury-free running that has been revolutionizing the running world for the last 18 years. His work is based on his 19-year practice of Tai Chi and his 45 years of running, racing, and coaching thousands of runners in energy-efficient injury prevention and intelligent movement. Danny also co-authored with his wife, Catherine, Chi Walking, and Chi Marathon, which have all introduced the world to the concept of approaching running, walking, and sports in gen- general as mindful practices. Danny has run every distance from 5K to 100 miles. He's run 43 ultra marathons, which are races longer than 26.2 miles, and has finished in the top three in his age group in all but three. His fastest 50K time, three hours and 45 minutes, 46 minutes. Jeez, it's amazing. Chi running is now taught in 12 languages in 22 countries by over 200 certified Chi running instructors. Danny is a, just a fountain of knowledge and experience. And his technique is very, very simple and yet not easy to implement. We cover a lot of ground during the podcast. You, you will learn very specific things that you can go out and try immediately from listening to the podcast. And you also may get inspired that you want more details and you want to learn more and go out and get his book. But I highly encourage you to tune in, listen thoroughly, and um, get out a pen. Get out a pen and paper and take some notes because uh, Danny Dreyer is full of advice, tips, and wisdom. So uh, without further ado, Danny Dreyer, welcome to the Whole Life Podcast. So Danny Dreyer, welcome to the Whole Life Podcast. Yeah, great to be here, Andy. Uh, you know, you are one of my, I, I hesitate to say heroes, but um, <laughs> you're like a, in my world of barefoot running and, and um, you know, running mechanics and running form and you're one of the you're you're just you're you're you've been on my list of like three people of people that I've always <laughs> wanted to meet and talk to and uh yeah. you know do yeah. stuff with you are a legend in the in the in the community with chi running and well, I just thanks. really appreciate you being here it's really exciting for me oh it's fun for me too yeah and um you guys are doing a really good thing with the whole life challenge so it's good for me to talk to you guys as well i mean i love it I've coached lots of people who do the whole life challenge and they're, they rave about it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, it, it's always funny cause we I'm bumping into people, you know, we'll I'll be on an airplane or my wife will be talking to somebody completely unrelated to the whole life <laughs> challenge. And somebody say, Oh, you know, I'm doing this thing. It's my husband's lost, you know, 20 pounds. My, this happened to my sister, my sister-in-law, her, her <laughs> coworker at work 
said, yeah, my, my husband's lost 20 pounds and he's doing this thing called the whole life challenge. And my sister-in-law's like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I know. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's weird. It's funny. Yeah. I'll get on an airplane and somebody will look up at me and go, are you the chi guy? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure that's happened to you quite a lot. So I thought it'd be really good to start with, um, you know, because not, maybe not, not everybody in the audience is a, is a running geek like I am. Um, sure. They may not know who the heck you are. Who's this Danny Dreyer guy? So yeah. uh, could you give us a little bit of um, background? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I, I started, um, my company is Chi Running. Uh, we have subsidiaries of Chi Walking and Chi Living, but mainly I started off as uh, a running coach and trainer. And um, I started back in, actually started in 1999 teaching this stuff. Uh, so it's been around a while. It's like, I don't know, 18 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. And um, I, I came about it through my, I was already, I was, I grew up mostly in Boulder, Colorado, and I'd done tons of trail running. And I had, uh, by the time 1999 came around, I'd already been an ultra marathoner for almost 10 years. And uh, so that was my sport was ultra marathoning. And uh, one thing in all of that long distance racing um, that I realized pretty early on was that if you're not efficient, uh, you're not going to do well in this category, right. <laughs> you know, if you're not a highly efficient runner. And so um, I was always practicing to be more and more efficient every time I went out to run. And uh, then at some point, just before I moved away from Boulder, a friend of mine introduced me to a local Tai Chi teacher who had just gotten into town. This guy was from China and I'm half Chinese. And so my, I've always been fascinated by anything's, Chinese. And so I went to this class and the guy at this point, I'd been running for 25 years already. And so were you, uh, a running, were you a running coach at this point or just doing it for your own stuff? Oh, I had coached, uh, adults and actually I had done quite a few, um, kids okay. track team. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but never taken it on like professionally, you know, Got just it. like helped it was friends fun. Out and stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, so from the first day I went to this Tai Chi class, all of a sudden this guy was teaching body alignment, how to relax, how to not use force, how to move from your center instead of powering with your arms and legs. And I, I, the more I got into this class, the more I started thinking, whoa, I wonder if I could apply this to my running. And uh, pretty soon um, uh, I learned a lot about postural alignment and moving from your center with him. And then I start, as I started working through it, started realizing that, you know, I really wasn't having to recover from my runs anymore. Um, I, I was not getting hurt. Uh, my sore legs went away. Uh, a lot of things that had chronically uh, plagued me in my long, in ultra running uh, were gone. My efficiency was way better. I was, I didn't have to drink as much, eat as much, recover as much. All this stuff started changing. And uh, so that's when I started just trying to take notes and write it down. So then by the time um, then I moved from Boulder to San Francisco and, and I uh, started, you know, I was looking for a new occupation cause I was, I, I had been um, a, f a custom furniture maker, uh, fine woodworking. And, uh, but my ears were going bad. So I needed a new occupation uh -huh. and I'd been doing this running thing. So I, so my wife said, you know what, you should think about teaching running. Because uh, and I, so I started that in the Bay Area. That's where it started, and I started having really good results. I mean, people people loved it. People, it was how remarkable. Did you, 
That's so. so it's interesting to me that how were you able to convince people that you were, uh, you know, a, uh, you knew enough or <laughs> that you like, you know, like without you weren't. Did you have credentials? Did you? No, I had no. You know what my credentials were? <laughs> is that I, <laughs> and this this is one thing I actually did intentionally. My credentials were that I've run 43 ultras. Well, that's a credential. That's absolutely a credential. Yeah. You know, uh, 50K or longer. Yeah. Okay. A couple hundred milers I've done, you know, Western States and Leadville. Yep. And um, finished in the top 10 in Leadville. So... For every, for everybody a, for everybody out there that doesn't know what Leadville is, it, it you go from Death Valley to Mount Whitney to the portal. Right? No, that's a different one. That's a Badwater. Oh, what's I, Le- I so what's ran better? Oh, Leadville thought, is one that's in Colorado. Oh, in Colorado, that's right. I, I confuse those two race. all the time. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's a hundred mile race, and uh, the entire race is over ten thousand feet in elevation. Right. And there's a total of like eighteen thousand feet of gain and eighteen thousand feet of loss too. Uh, but it's all mostly above timberline, so it's quite a challenging race. They've never had more than half pe- half of the entries finish. Wow, <laughs> yeah. wow! And I finished in the uh, eighth overall in my first try at it, so I felt good. So those are my credentials. I ran right. all. I I really worked at getting good at ultra marathoning, and and um, that that's the only credentials I had. I yeah. don't have a degree in biomechanics or any of that. I've studied enough to have a degree in biomechanics, right? right. But um, that's just been as a part of my job. You know, I I have to know this stuff, and so I've studied so much of that, and uh, that came later. Well, how, it was really so then what? Yeah, so then you started this thing. You just started coaching people in San Francisco. Yeah, you know what it was back then, um, back in the late nineties, uh, early turn of the century there was a you know remember um uh the leukemia society had yep. uh, started doing these really huge training groups that was the beginning the, of like team and training right yeah that was team and training yep. yes and so they started having these huge that was the very first launch of of all these you know run for a cause things and uh in san francisco they had you know over a thousand people in their training that was one of the largest ones in the united states so i just offered to go um train them to give them technique lessons because i had you know narrowed it down to a specific set of things you needed to do to run better and uh, so i would talk to them and and uh in return for giving them a free talk on running mechanics uh i would get to pass around my clipboard that was back when people actually gave you their email right and uh and so i would pass around my clipboard and that's what started i started with a newsletter and got you know i started off with just one group at a time i ended up with about ten thousand people on my newsletter list after about five years and so every time i had a class i just advertised it you know Mm -hmm. in my little newsletter and then i started uh branching out and going around the united states and it just started and it was really spreading like crazy. Word of mouth is the best way that it spread. And then we got a few mentions uh, in Runner's World. And, mm-hmm. you know, we wrote, I wrote the Chi Running book in two, that came out in 2004. And that, that really helped to launch us, you know. Right. There was a really good book review that came out in the Washington Post. The guy loved it. Uh-huh. And it was a, he, he had it, uh, you know, affiliated all over the United States. So that was like instant got us got our name out there and after that it was still word of mouth many many people just kept coming to us and say oh my god this works so well i got to tell all my friends about it so it spread kind of organically 
How did you uh, make a business out of that? Like, what was the business model? I mean, I, obviously you're a bookseller. You know, yeah. So, but what what is is that really your primary business? No, the business model. Um, my wife is is the business mind behind all of this. Uh-huh. I'm I'm a runner. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> She's a pretty brilliant business person, and and she said, if you're gonna, from the t- from the day we launched the book, she said, uh, I'd already taught a bunch of, I'd been teaching for five years this thing, and so she said, you really need to have a group of instructors on the ground, so when the book hits, um, there's somebody who can teach this stuff yep. across the United States, and um, and she used the example of the guy that invented spinning, Johnny G, yeah. Johnny G. Yep. And he hardly ever made a cent off of it because he, everybody else took spinning and he didn't have instructors and yep. all that stuff. And now you can take a spin class and become an instructor for 25 bucks in a weekend. Yeah. You know? um, but he didn't have that when his book came out and he really lost a huge amount of his own uh, market share. Mm-hmm you know, to other people. And so she says, she saw the writing on the wall and she says, man, you need to have a whole school, whole bases of instruction so that people have somebody to go to that is uh, branded. Right. And so we started that. So I started teaching instructors. That was uh, my first instructor training, I think was back in um, probably right about 2004. Okay. Yeah, I think it was right in there. And uh, yeah, now we have, you know, over 200 instructors all over the world. I think we're in, we're in 23 countries. And I mean, it's, it's great. You know, I and have do, do people give different, do you have different levels of instruction? Like do you have different yeah. uh, qualifications, yeah. different qualifications, different levels of instructors, different levels of instruction. So, you know, with running, it's not just running, you learn to run, and for most people, it's learning to run differently than they're used to um, because most people run so inefficiently that to get them to actually run efficiently is a, is a, quite a switch in neural transmitters. You know, you know, it's interesting to me. Why why is that? Like, you know, like it seems like running is such an innately human yeah. characteristic that we yeah. that we get from the moment we're born we, we know how to run yeah. but the moment we know how to walk we know how to run because babies are running yeah. all over the place and you're they're terrifying you that they're going to bash themselves into a you know yeah. into the floor <laughs> or something or furniture why did, did we forget what what is it that happens that we, it's lifestyle habits is what happens you know we learn to sit <laughs> right and and then you're sitting in a car all the time you're sitting at a desk you're sitting in a classroom you're sitting you know sitting is the new smoking so you know yeah. it really does it shortens your hamstrings it changes your balance it gets rid of your core strength it does all these things that and lifestyle habits. So if you slouch or if you're on the computer where your posture is all misaligned, you have uh, various broken bones or injuries throughout your life, all of a sudden, all of those add up and add up over the years so that after you know a 20-year period or something like that, by the time you get into your late 20s or something like that, you don't have the same body yeah. on any level that you had when you were a kid cruising around the playground. And so you don't, there's no way you will move the same. The only people that move the same as they did when they were kids are the people who never lost that through their teens and into their 20s. And those are kids who always played soccer and always, you know, uh, had a team. Kept moving. You look at the Kenyans. 
You know, yeah. they have gorgeous running form, and that's because their lifestyle is that they always you, run. You didn't go to Kenya and teach them all the, the secret to yeah. running, and, and uh, they're <laughs> no, not all chi just, running experts. I they just, just do watched, it, right? I watched a ton of Kenyans. Right. They just do yeah. it. They do it. At, they, they do it naturally, right? Runner's World interviewed one of the best Kenyans. Uh, I can't, Paul Tergat, you know, one of the main guys. And they said, so, so how, how are you able to run so well? And the guy says, I don't know. Right. They ask me and I could break it down into like a hundred yeah. different things that he's doing. Yeah. But he's just like, no, I've just always done this. This is how I run. I don't know. I just move. What do you, you know, don't you, you know? And no, of course not. Is there any, um, and they keep that running form, especially the Kenyans, why they have such beautiful running form well into adulthood is because they spend so much more of their life running barefoot, you know, right, right. go figure. I mean, you're a barefoot runner. You can, it yep. makes sense. If you, if you run barefoot, uh, there's very little room for error. You right. have to run really efficiently. You have to land softly. You have to use your balance. You have to, you know. Uh oh, frozen frozen screen. Um, it's, you know, I froze. It's very different. You, you froze there for a sec, Danny. Hang on. Oh, I don't okay. Know if that's my end or your end. Let me make sure. Let me close uh, anything else I have. I'm I'm pretty good actually. Yeah, um, too. It's weird. I don't know what's going on. Close, close, close. If it if it happens again, we'll just um. We'll shut the okay, video. Just, we'll shut the video off, and then that usually clears things up. So okay. I'll, I'll just so I, I, yeah, I closed about three apps. So that sometimes helps, from my end anyway. You were saying that uh, the Kenyans. Uh, what were you saying? Yeah, I, well, I was just saying why they're able to keep that running yes, form right. through their life, and so. So if you if you take the Kenyans, they spend many more years of their lives running barefoot. And when you run barefoot, you have to run really well. You have to run biomechanically really efficient because you don't want to be heel striking. You don't want to be overstriding. You don't want to be doing any of the things that Westerners by habit, uh, lifestyle habit, have just taken on. Is there any um, semblance to the notion that we become afraid of falling and oh, that's yeah. what, what keeps us from, uh, that's what keeps, that's what creates a development of a, not such a great running form? Absolutely, because, you know, as you get older, um, you uh, you're, uh, become afraid of falling. One of the hardest things I have to teach people when I'm coaching them is how to actually take on a lean, a little bit of a forward fall. And um, people will are very afraid of falling. And the older they get, the more afraid of falling they get. So yep. what happens is then people start running upright. And when you run upright, as soon as you run upright, you fall into one of the basic laws of physics, which is Newton's first law says a body at rest and it will stay at rest unless acted upon by an external force. Okay. So the external force acting on a vertical body is gravity straight down. Yeah. That for there's no other force on your body. Once you start letting your body fall forward, all of a sudden your center of mass is in front of your feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then gravity is pulling down somewhere else, not just straight down your body, but it's pulling, actually pulls you forward. Right. It creates this little horizontal vector. Okay. So then you're using gravity as a part of your propulsion. 
But if you if you're afraid of falling and you run upright, your whole propulsion system has to come from you. Unless you're out there in a hurricane, you are, you know, you're responsible for all of your forward propulsion. It, it requires effort, a lot of effort. You know, a lot, lot of, of effort to yeah. push, you know, uh, you know, 150 pounds around. That's an incredible amount amount of effort. Plus, if you when you run upright, you have to push with one leg and catch with the other leg. Yes. And the other leg cannot land anywhere except out in front of your body, right? Right. So you're pushing with one leg and you're catching with the other leg. So what that means is you're propelling with one foot while you're braking with the other foot. Right. How efficient is that? You know, you know, if you're in California, if gas went up to five dollars a gallon again, you wouldn't see anybody driving around town with one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas. Right. 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 You just don't do it. It's really in inefficient. Yeah. It's costly. So when you get afraid of falling and you keep upright when you run, all of a sudden you subtract all the options you have for propulsion. You are it. How you know? do you get someone to, because one of the things that, that I know when I tell someone to lean forward, the yeah. first thing they do is bend at the waist. Yeah. And they think they're, they're they, they think they're leaning forward. They think, okay, well, this is my forward lean. And I know, you know, I know, yeah. you know, it's not. How do yeah. you, how do you get people to, how do you introduce them to this concept of leaning forward and in a way that is supportive to efficient running? Yeah. So, um, so I base all of this on what I've learned from my practice of Tai Chi. Okay. So I'm still using it. So Tai Chi is all about keeping your body aligned. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, what supports your body is your bones, ligaments, and tendons. You want to have the least amount of muscles supporting your body as possible. That's why you want to keep your body aligned. Well, um, when you move forward in Tai Chi, you move from your center, which is, they call it your Dantian. It's just this little, it's the center. If you want to think about the center of mass of your body, it's just below your belly button and in towards your spine a little bit. It's what does center of mass means? Just because there are people out there that center might have mass, no idea what that means. Your body has a certain mass, you know, 50 kilograms, you know? Yep. And, uh, and mass is... Um, your whole body is has some parts that are more dense, less dense. You know, your obviously your arms or all the liquid parts of your body are less dense than your bones. But if you were to average um, all of your mass, take your whole mass, and then find what would what point in that system would be in the in the very middle, like okay? a three dimensional middle, like a yeah three dimensional middle. The center of mass of a ball is in the center of the ball, the very center of the ball. If it the could ball rotate. In any direction. Yeah, it rotates. Right. Not only that, but if the ball is a solid, the center of mass is right in the middle. Now, if you have a ball that half of it is a solid and half of it's a balloon, the center of mass would be in the middle of the solid half. Right. It wouldn't be in the center of the ball. Right. It would be where the mass is. Yep. And so your center of mass, if you were to, um, you know, have one of these computer <laughs> drawings where you can find your center of mass on a computer drawing, if you move that center of mass, the rest of your body has to move with it. Has to. There's no other option. Okay. Move that center of mass. It's it's absolutely connected to your body because it is the center of your body, mm -hmm. the center of your structure, your mass, everything. And so I teach people how to keep their posture, their column, I call it, you know, their body alignment as a unit, never bends. Mm -hmm. So that takes core strength. You know that from, you know, CrossFit. Yep. Right. Yep. You need a good core to keep it straight. And then um, and then I have them locate their center. 
their center of mass. Which, how do you locate I, that? Like, what, uh, how, what I just say is, I mean, okay, near if you're, my belly button or something? Or? Yeah, so, so it's usually about two, three fingers below your belly button, okay. finger width. Yep. And it's about three inches in. So it's in front of your spine, but just below your belly button. Okay. And if you stand up, it kind of feels like your center. Right. You know? Right. It feels like, wow, if I was to look at the center of my body, that's where it would feel like it was located. Okay. And so um, that's, um, I get people to feel that place, imagine that place, you know, visualize it, whatever just it is. Standing, just standing up and down. So like, Just yeah. standing up. So if you stand up, you would, you would just, um, you can uh, put your hands, you know, put your, here, the one way to do it is, is to put your thumbs in your belly button. So put both thumbs in your belly button. Okay. Let your fingers rest down on your lower abs. Okay. And and you'll if you look down, you'll see your fingers are making kind of a heart shape. Oh yeah. Yep. Right? Yep. So then you can put one of your fingers right in the middle of that heart shape and dig in three it's right inches. On my, right on my belt buckle. Yeah. Right. So it's just yep. behind your belt buckle, yep. somewhere in there. Okay. And that's the center. Okay. That's the center of your body. Okay. Okay. And so um once I have people align their posture and hold it with their core, then I just, I, I educate them how to move that center because if oh. you move your center, everything goes with it. Right. Everything. Right. Now, if I, I have this exercise that I have people do, and you can even try this. If you stand up. Um, I'm doing this right now. So let's, okay, see, good. let's see what happens. Great. So, so here's what you do. So you, you just stand up. And I want you to I want you to pick up just just walk in place, just pick your feet up walking in place and feel your center, okay? So if you're walking in place, just just by lifting your feet, just lightly picking up your feet, okay? And then I want you to um, do what you're doing, but just bend over at the waist and keep lifting up your feet. Bend at the there you go, good. So you keep lifting. Now come back up, good. Now, the reason why you didn't move forward is because your center of mass never moved anywhere, but it stayed right over your feet. Now I want you to try this. I want you to really get your posture aligned nicely. So I tell people, lift through the crown of your head. That does more than anything, just like, like you're an arrow, okay? Now, feel, feel that lengthening in your body. Now drop into your center. So I'm going to have you do three things at once. Keep your posture tall, locate your center, and now start picking your feet up like you were before. And now while you're keeping all those three things together, all I want you to do is move your center in front of where you feel your feet hitting the ground. Just move your center. <laughs> what happened? I just went away. I just walked away. <laughs> We're on we're on a Skype call, so I just disappeared from the screen. <laughs> wow, that was really cool. Well, so what that does is that it shows you that see you were just lifting your feet off the ground, right? Yep. So when you started moving your center ahead of your feet, you were still just lifting your feet off the ground. You weren't pushing yourself forward. There was no effort. No, no effort. No effort. No effort at all. So then I just uh, went. I, yeah, I just went. There was no th yeah, there was no conscious forward. thinking about what I was doing. No, no, your everything takes over. Yes, the universe takes over. Grab physics. So, it's all physics, right? It's all physics. So if you can imagine running in place, 
just picking up your feet, running in place, doing the exact same thing. Right, right. <laughs> You're not running bent at the waist. I love that. Right. That's great. That's Isn't that a great? really cool way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so simple. So simple. And, and I love, that's also interesting because I've never thought about that in relation to walking. Yeah. Um, yeah. People, but that feels I have, like marching. That's not really walking. Or, no, just, no, it is. It does feel a little bit like marching, but, but then there are other components you add in. Right. You know, that's just the forward movement component. Then there's this whole pelvic rotation thing, you know, that you start in and that, uh, you know, that will help your body move more fluidly forward instead of just up and down, up and down marching. So there's all these components to it. Yep. So when I'm teaching a class, you know, uh, to get the, if I teach a full day class, it gets me till about, I start at nine o'clock, takes me about three, three, a little over three hours of instruction to get people to where they actually move forward this way. Wow. That's how many de that's how many other things are in place yep. along the way. Yep. So, you know, I teach people how to, how to do their posture. That's mm -hmm. a big chunk, yep. how to hold it you know, while you're moving. And then I teach how to move your lower legs, how to move your, I mean, your legs, your lower body, and then your upper body, and then bring them all together and move with, with all three at the same time. So, you know, how obviously nobody ever teaches you how to swing your arms, you know? Yeah, right. Most people don't know what to do with them when they run, but they are a huge part. Yeah, most and, people I find swing their hands. They don't swing their yeah. arms. They swing yeah. their, their arms from their elbows. And they, they, I say, yeah. okay, now swing your arms. And I see their hands doing this. And their <laughs> they're elbows pumping are, their arms. They're pumping their arms, right? And they think yeah. that's an arm swing. And I mean, I catch no. myself. I, do, I catch myself too. Like when I do yeah. sprints or, you know, another, I, I always just think, okay, the, like there's a weight in the bottom of my elbows and yeah. I'm swinging from yeah. the elbows. And, and I also tend to run across, like across. This yeah, way. So yeah. I have to keep my focus on linear, on forward momentum and not, forward momentum. not pulling yes. across. Exactly. As soon as you start pulling across now, you know, so this is all based in Tai Chi, right? And so all of these principles come straight out of Tai Chi. Like if you, you know, you hear about everything in Tai Chi has to do with yin and yang, mm -hmm. right? What's yin? Yin is your postural alignment. It's a gathering. It's a central thing. Yang is expansive, right? So, so you have to have your body alignment, but the yang is relaxation. That's what allows you to move. So there's always this combination of alignment and relaxation. You got to have both. If you just have alignment, you're a stiff runner. If you just have relaxation, you're all over the place. So you need this wonderful combination of both elements in order to be a really efficient runner. Now there's alignment there's posture alignment, and then there's directional alignment that you just hit on. So yeah, you can be aligned vertically so that your posture is efficient. You're not using a lot of muscles to support your body during the support phase of your stride. But in order to be efficient, you have to have directional alignment, which means you want to have as many body parts as possible headed in the same direction you are. Right. Right. <laughs> right? right. So if I'm heading down the road straight ahead and my arms are going this way yeah right how efficient is that you know if i'm going down the road and i'm running like rocky balboa mm -hmm. right side to side how efficient is that right. right right if i'm going down the road and my feet are pointed this way out splayed 
How efficient is that? So every, you know, you need to clean up your act. You know, you need to bring everything into where you're like a, a forward shooting arrow, yep. not just the body moving down the road. And that's what I do is I, I explain um, how, how people move. And then if you want to be efficient, how you could change that to be a much more efficient runner. So that's my whole thing. That's, that's really do. interesting. Like I, I, uh, I rode horses. I didn't ride for long, but I had to for some of the adventure racing I did, and I actually grew up in the in the sticks of Maryland, and and um, yeah. did some horseback riding then. But I I remember one of the cues that my horseback riding instructors would say is is collect the horse is mm -hmm. you need to collect um, you know like if you're trying to trot if you're running riding English style and you're trying to um, post I think it's called yeah. um, y y if the horse's gait is not collected i don't know i don't even know how to say yeah. it otherwise it, it it throws everything off it throws the mechanics off it throws and when you collect it you feel this magical like it's almost like when you hit a tennis ball in the sweet yeah. spot like all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's like the ball just exploded off the racket without any effort and it just went where it needed to go yeah. it's moving in a unified way right and what you're talking about is that however many parts of your body that are moving the more you can get to cooperate and do the same general direction the more you start unifying your movement in the direction that you're headed yeah you know and so when somebody's doing tai chi or something like that if somebody's throwing a punch at somebody everything in their body is aligned towards directing energy through their arm out through their fist and into the face of the other guy and and it's their eyes their head their bodies aligned that way so you know there's a lot of ways people make running much more difficult to do than it needs to be because they're working against themselves half the time. So what right. I do is when I'm coaching somebody or teaching them, I'm working at getting rid of what slows them down. People talk about, I want to be a fast runner all the time. They come to me and go, how do I get fast? First thing I say, you want to get fast, get rid of what slows you down. Don't be slow. Don't be Don't slow. Be slow. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But, you, yeah, right. but it's amazing. People hold tension in their shoulders. They grip the ground with their feet. They yeah. overwork their calves. They're, they're doing a million things that are not helping them to be faster. Yeah, right. So, yeah. It's really fascinating. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. It's a whole I, world, yeah. I did some work with uh, Lee Saxby, um, yeah. who was in... Uh, in um, Vivo Barefoot. Vivo Barefoot, yeah, with Vivo Barefoot. I, I was one of the, I don't know, early guys in their Vivo Barefoot barefoot coaches program and i and to i'm not a barefoot runner like officially i run mm -hmm. with minimal shoes i run usually with new balance minimus um i found yep. that the bottoms of my feet and my big toes especially i get these sharp we, these weird sharp pains in my the first joint of my big toes yeah um and i find that i get it less often i don't get it that often it seems yeah. to be a random thing, but mm -hmm. I get it less often when I wear at least a little bit of, you know, like three millimeters of cushioning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so makes a difference. So, but I run with exactly the same technique. It's, there's no difference. And I can go for a 200 meter run or a 400 meter run or whatever barefoot and not, you know, that's fine. Like I, yeah, no big yeah. deal. Um, what distance do you run? What's your longer distance? Well, I used to be, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a recovering endurance athlete. Uh, <laughs> I used to back in the old days, um, do ult, not ultra marathons, but adventure races like right. eco challenge. So yeah, 300, challenge. 300 miles, 400 miles, you know, um, yeah. crazy, 
long, slow hiking <laughs> and a little bit oh, of running. Yeah. And my it's funny, my story of my first ultra, I did a 50-mile, I did the um, San Juan Capistrano, San Juan Hills 50. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's not just a 50-miler. It's up and down the, these yeah. mountains in Very southern hilly. Orange County. And uh, I didn't train for it. I, I thought, oh, I was a Marine. I, I can, uh, you know, I've run 10K. That's enough. And uh, I, I was right up until about, I don't know if I was right. I survived through 26, survived. through the marathon, through 26.2. Yeah. And then things started to go a little bit of awry. And I got yeah. to about mile 45 and I was limping. I had a knee, I had knee pain. And I, and I, it's the only thing I've ever not finished. Like I, yeah. I pulled myself. Well, I was the last guy on the course. There was a sag wagon walk going behind me. I was walking. Wow. My teammates were with me. I, I brought my oh, Eco Challenge wow. team. And uh, I, I basically pulled myself out. I'm like, this is just silly. Oh, you my know. gosh. Yeah. And uh, I almost, uh, when I turned 50 a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. I turned 50. No, six months ago I turned 50. And, um, but a year and a half ago, I, I had, over the course of about two months, I had convinced myself that I was going to run a 50 miler for my birthday thinking, okay, oh. I was going to make good on the promise I made to myself that I'd run 50. And the, the <laughs> problem is I was going to fall into the same trap I had before, which is I don't feel like training for this. I don't want to yeah. put in the miles and the time on the weekends and yeah. away from my family. And, you know, and then I thought, you know, that's just, I'd be doing the same dumb thing again. So yeah. I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> My choice. So, See, another thing that I train people to do is listen to their body because right. nobody, nobody is trained to do that. Right. And uh, make wise decisions accordingly. So, you know, if you did Eco Challenge, you know my good friend Ian Adamson. Absolutely. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it's been I, a long time since he and I connected. In fact, I'd like to have him as a guest on the podcast. Um, yeah. He lived in Boulder. We used to train yeah. for Leadville. I trained for Leadville with him, and he's great. He's one of the best downhill runners I have ever seen. Yeah. He's good he's guy. a legend. Uh, just, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, guy. back in the old days, him and John Howard and um, yeah. from Australia, from, wait, New Zealand. Um, I was going to say Australia. He'd be pissed. If I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they, they were the, you know, we were, uh, we were the rookie, idiotic American, you know, we're going to do yeah. this because we're tough. And yeah. they just schooled us. You know, it was, yeah. uh, it was oh, really, yeah. it was really you know, disheartening at the time, but now looking back on it, it was like, wow, that's, that was pretty yeah. cool how they. Well, the interesting thing now that's going on is that a lot of people are, um, you know, younger crowd is getting into ultra marathons and tons of people are getting into half marathons and marathons yeah. that are, would normally never have even thought about it 15 years ago. Yeah. And so what I'm seeing in the results of people actually, um, and the interest in learning better technique has gained momentum. I mean, uh, and so now people can actually train for a half or a full marathon without it totally trashing their body. And yeah. back then, it was, you know, when I started teaching this in 1999, uh, I was a salmon swimming upstream. People are going, what do you mean? I, I got to learn to run. But, you know, for the reasons I listed earlier, you know, nobody was running very well. Yeah. And But once they started uh, really learning how to run efficiently, reduce impact and all and reduce effort, then all of a sudden everybody's coming to me going, oh my God, this is like, makes it a whole new ball game. And when you talk to Ironmen or people that are doing Olympic distance triathlons, they get off the bike and they're kind of done to, you know, most of them are just like slugging through concrete to get in the run in. And now 
triathletes are loving this because they're going, oh, you know what? I get off the bike and my legs are done for the day. I can just do my run without using my legs. And so that's one of the funny little uh, um, things that I tell people is I, you know, I teach people how to run without using their legs. And that, that means for propulsion, you can use them for support, but that's way less effort than, yeah, right. than pushing yourself around all day. Right. You know, there's, right. there's an alternative to that one. Right. You know, so yeah, I remember I also did some work with, um, with, um, oh, geez, Dr. Romanoff from the post, yeah, in the post method. Yep. And, uh, you know, I remember, uh, the combination of Lee and, 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 um, and Dr. Romanoff, the, uh, the concept of like pull, 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 pulling your foot off the ground each time and, yeah. and, 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 um, elasticity. In fact, right. um, I think it was Lee that used these balls. I ordered them from Amazon. I think they're like magic. They're like, they're, they're, they're into the category of magic, but they're these two rubber balls. And one of them, mm -hmm. let's see if, I don't know if you can see these. One of them bounces. Did that well, one's up? hard and one's rubber. Yeah. 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 One, of, one of them just squishes and one yeah. of them bounces. And you know, the, yeah. the concept is, you know, if you run with, with squishy running shoes and with soft yeah. knees and with a bend in your body, you're like this ball that's just collapsing into the ground. Totally. And, and the, you want elasticity. And so yeah. I, I, there, I remember um, when I was working with Lee, we were in New York City at Chelsea Pier and I had to, on a lunch break, I had to run, I had to get to, I can't remember why, I had to get somewhere, somewhere in like Hell's Kitchen and it was, it was like you were a, running sidewalks the whole way. I was running sidewalks and I didn't, for some reason it was faster than taking a cab or I didn't have the money. I don't know what the hell, what the reason was, but I ran and it was the fourth day of the seminar, um, of the cert. It was a five day certification. It was a extensive. Yeah. And in that, and I was wearing street clothes. I wasn't wearing running. I don't sure. And yeah. I got the, ex this experience of elasticity of like, yeah. Oh, it's a stiff. It's your, your body's stiff. Your, I mean, yes, your body's stiff, kind of like a pogo stick and yeah. you're, spring to it. you're springing like Tigger off the ground. And I, and I felt like for the first time I got the experience of what it was supposed to feel like. Yeah. And um, it was really cool, like this pull, 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 pull your foot off the ground and minimal yeah. contact time. And it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's um, that works really well. That type of elasticity and recoil works great for uh, sprinters and short dis shorter distance running. Mm -hmm. It's great. If you try to do that for a marathon, that's too much pulling for a marathon. That's right. that's that's increased work level. OK, so. So what people don't understand, and this this happened when um, when when Qi running came on the market because Pose was like a couple of years ahead of us or something like that. Yep. People thought, oh, these guys are just doing a knockoff of Pose, but right. we're not. We weren't doing a knockoff of Pose. I mean, obviously, I I hadn't even heard of Pose, so I didn't know right. what was going. Right. But then I started looking at the Pose method, and I realized one thing, and that is that, you know, uh, Dr. Romanoff was uh, a high jumper, right. and. Um, and, and also, when he first introduced the pose technique, it was all about pulling, you know, yep. pulling your legs up off the ground. He had the lean. That was perfect. Yep. But that was for uh, sprinters. He was really into fast running short distance. Yeah, like, okay. you, like Usain it, Bolt, like the 
perfect yeah, exactly. pose runner. Right. Perfect pose runner. Yeah. Um, but there are two types of runners and two types of running that people don't realize. There's fight or flight, which is sprinting, or there's persistence running, which is like the Africans hunting a gazelle. They're right. not going to run as fast as the gazelle. They're going to run it down after two days. Right. And so they need to be persistent and consistent. That builds, you know, huge VO2 max, but not giant speed like a sprinter. Now, a sprinter is not worried about being economical or not. Right. He gets to go home after nine seconds. Right. That's know? right. Right. If you're right. really fast, nine seconds. If you're a little slower, it's like 12 seconds. 12 seconds. <laughs> right. Okay. So it's a diff. It's a whole different thing, type body movement. One is, uh, you know, the sprinting is the sympathetic nervous system is firing. It's you're burning fuel as fast as you can. The parasympathetic nervous system is contains it. It adds relaxation hormones into your body. It does, you know, they're completely different things. So yeah. I, I always use the image of if you were a caveman, you know, and you were. Uh, walking around and all of a sudden a saber-toothed tiger comes <laughs> up and says dude you're my dinner <laughs> you know uh, you better be booking it out of there and you're going to be doing pose running right you know? you're going to be I'm on your toes yep. the whole time sprinting yep. you're breathing your chest breathing you're doing you know as much as you can to get out of there fast on the other hand if you're a caveman and you're really hungry <laughs> you're not gonna go out and spear a gazelle you have to go out and carry a spear yeah, and right. wait till you know the gazelle runs off because it does pose running but if it does that enough times it's going to burn through all of its uh, muscle glycogen and pretty yeah. soon you catch up with it and the only reason those af kalahari bushmen carry a spear is to put the deer out of his misery at the end of all these sprints right big difference and so that that confused a lot of people. Yep. You know, yep. that they were thinking, oh, I'm doing a knockoff. I don't even want to do a knockoff of pose. You yeah, know, right, it right. serves a great purpose for what it's designed to do. Yeah. This serves a great purpose for what it's designed to do. Well, they how, are not even similar. So how so what is the difference? Because I don't know that I know the distinction. I mean, I've done a lot of barefoot training and obviously yeah. I've never trained in your method. And so I yeah. don't I don't know that I know what's the difference? I mean, I, I know theoretic conceptually, maybe, okay, but so I don't know. Could you imagine? So if you're used to running by pulling, yep. Right. Imagine running by not pulling, not pulling. Okay. So you're not picking your knees up. You're not lifting your foot off. You know, you're not lifting off the ground. You're yep. not, you're still running with a lean, but imagine this. Okay. So if you were to move just like you did a little while ago, where keep your posture good, but you move your center ahead yep. of your feet, yep. then your main concern is to always balance yourself to where your center is ahead of where you feel your feet. Okay. Okay. That way, that, in, that guarantees that gravity will always be pulling you, right? Right. Right. Now, what happens then is uh, in Tai Chi, in order to create speed, you, cre you have to have a certain amount of relaxation. See that, that 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 doesn't. I mean, relaxing now here. How I'm does that work? It. That's crazy. Yeah, here's, here's <laughs> how here's that works. Yeah. So, in order to go faster, imagine moving your center further ahead of your feet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. More lean. When it's further, more lean. Yeah. So you add more lean, your body goes faster. Yeah. But then gravity pulls you harder. Yep. That means you have to pick up your feet 
to keep up with your fall, yes. right? Okay. Picking up your feet to keep up with your fall is much easier than pushing yourself faster down the road. Yes. Yes. Right. Yep. Sprinters do that. Yep. That's why they have quads, you know, like Barry Sanders or something, you mm -hmm. know, they're huge. Mm -hmm. Their upper bodies are muscular. Their lower bodies are muscular. You know, the Kenyans are not muscular guys. Right. Right. So how can they run sub five minute miles for 26? They do it out of relaxation and a huge lean. They're able to stay relaxed enough that their body moves more fluidly being pulled that fast. But how do you do that? without pulling what do you think about um oh i can explain to it and physiologically what happens okay okay so as you lean forward yeah um you allow your legs to extend behind you okay you just you're yeah. basically out running your legs you just let them go out the back the kenyans have the biggest rear stride of anybody it goes out the back. Now imagine as your stride goes further out the back, your hip flexors get stretched. Yep. Right? Your psoas, your iliopsoas, your, yep. you know, all of your hip flexor muscles get pulled like a rubber band. Mm -hmm. So then as your foot reaches its maximum to the rear, that rubber band pulls back. wants to recoil, recoil and pull back, back in. Right. So it's yeah. a different kind of recoil than a sprinter uses different way to use recoil because you're using the recoil of a, the psoas, which is the biggest muscle in your body. Yeah. That's a very powerful rubber band. Does a sprinter use more hamstring to pull the full yeah. foot? Yeah. Right. That's why they always pull hamstring. You see guys yeah. pulling up all the time, you know, that's why they have big quads, all those big muscles because they're not only pulling, but they're also pushing. Yep. They, they, they have, 220 strides per minute turnover. But they're leaning right? too. So it's they're not they're not too. they're not not leaning because that's a big oh, part no, of they're leaning. But uh, think about it. They're leaning at the start. But if you have a track coach teaching you how to sprint, their job is to get you to stay down as yeah. long as you can. That's yeah. where you get your speed. But they eventually have to come back up and then it's reach and pull. Yep. You know? Yeah. You cannot run that fast and still stay ahead of your feet. But if you do it out of a system of balance where you're just gently falling forward and really allowing that freedom of your legs to go out the back, because then what happens as soon as you start falling forward, the road makes your legs move rearward. Just by having contact with the road, your foot mm. gets swept out from underneath you. Right. So, Almost so like a treadmill, but, oh, you're, yeah. but the treadmill it is just, it's very similar to a treadmill where your upper body is falling forward, but your lower body is being pulled rearward yeah, by right. the speed of the road, right? Yeah. So as the road pulls your body, your legs rearward, it stretches that. That's if you size. relax more, it stretches those hip flexors. Huh. When they max out, it brings your leg back to where it started. Right. Without right? any effort. Without any effort. And dig this. So your, um, your psoas, all those hip flexors, those are tendons, ligaments and tendons. Yeah. They don't require oxygen. They don't burn yeah, right, fuel. Right. They don't, you know, right. <laughs> you start to get the picture here. Yeah, you know? very much so. You want to lean forward more. You just have to have a stronger base of abdominal muscles, yep. right? So, but those, that's a, that's a, um, that's an isometric thing. It's not like a sprinter that's doing isotonic pulling. Yes, them. right. That's a lot of fuel burning, but an isometric set of abdominals will just hold your posture further forward or less further forward you know 
it's a very cool thing. So you're using your core muscles, but not for propulsion. You're still only using gravity for propulsion. You're just using your core muscles to hold you further forward. Right. Oh, that's the roads moving really your legs. Cool. Who's doing the work? Yeah, there's no work. The work is, like you said, yeah. is in posture, is in the ability to hold your postural body in the right position so that you, you can got access this. Yes, you got it. Huh. And then, then the more you hold your posture forward, the more you need to relax and release your legs. You release, release, you know. So what I, when I'm coaching people how to run fast, I say the faster you go, the more invisible you need to imagine your legs are. Huh. Till they completely like disappear. Like exactly. <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. So see, it's very different. You yeah. Know? It's a very different way it's of running. It's similar. It's similar, but it's very, it is very different. Like it's very, yeah. uh, you know, the, the lean and the, 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 mecha yeah. the mechanics are the same, but yeah. it's very different. It's very different. Well, a big, a big difference, probably the biggest difference I see between pose running and, and um, chi running is that the pose running, your, your pelvis doesn't turn. Right. No, there's no... It stays right. the same. Yes. Your legs move underneath you, right? Mm -hmm. So think of it this way. If your leg is a pendulum, mm -hmm. it swings from your hip joint, right? Yep. Your ligaments only allow a certain range of motion. Yep. And that's why your cadence has to pick up as you go faster. Yes. Right? There's no give yep. in that machine. It has to pick up as you go faster. Now, imagine somebody, uh, you know, running, let's say doing tree running. What I teach people to do is allow their whole their hip to go back with their leg when oh. their leg gets swept out the back let your hip rotate that way oh. it lengthens your stride it adds a little twist in the lower part of your spine yeah again more ligaments and tendons all up in your spine that create yeah. a twist and then that twist wants Pulls to recoil back. back to normal yeah right so you've got all of this rotational torque and the stretch in the hip flexor that's an incredible amount of uh, rubber band effect. Okay. And um, how do you so, teach somebody to incorporate a twist that's not twisting? Like, what's the technique? What's the easiest way to do that? You know, um, easiest way, to, <laughs> there's a fun way to do it. I, I tell people, you know, I do what's called a pool running drill, right? Uh -huh. Pool running drill. Remember, if, if, if you grew up with a big public swimming pool near yeah, your house? Yeah, I did. Yep, I did. Yep. And the sign on the wall of the swimming pool says no running. Right. right. Of course, at some point or another, you were caught running down the deck, right? Yep. So you're ra racing your buddy to the deep end. Yep. Okay. And you start running down the deck and all of a sudden the lifeguard says, hey, you stop running. Yep. Believe me, you didn't want to slow down, but you had to stop running. Right. So you slow down into the fastest walk you could possibly do. Which is the, that hip thing you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. what you're talking about. There you are. So when I do this, it's with what people, the speed walkers is what the what the silly yeah. videos of people speed walking. Totally. You know, their hips are flying back and forth and they're flying feet are... back and forth, but not side to side. That's, uh, you know, speed walkers have a tendency to go a little more side to side. This yeah. is actually that's what that that first postural alignment is for. Yep. So your hips don't go side to side. They don't bend. Nothing happens. They rotate rotationally. Yep. And that allows more stride length. Now, when I demonstrate this in a class, I can stand in one position and I can reach back as far as I can with my toe, right? And I'll have somebody put a pencil or something on the ground to mark my spot. And then I'll stand there 
and I'll reach back as far as I can, but I'll allow my whole pelvis to turn in the direction my leg is going, and I can gain another three inches in my stride length. Oh, I just did it. It's easy. Easy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's another three inches. Now imagine if you have a consistent cadence, you know? So the, the ideal optimal cadence for most human beings is somewhere between 170 and 180 strides per minute. Mm -hmm. Okay, been measured. Okay. Individual, and, you, and stride is an individual step. Um, yeah, each yeah, step each is step. one stride. So I've, been, I've been using that number for a long time, like in, when, before I knew anything about really running mechanics. I yep. would, the yep. first thing I would start with people is, okay, let's get you to 180 steps per minute. And that's very yep. easy. You just count to 30, 30 steps in 10 seconds. Yeah, and uh, and I will test myself to make sure I'm there if I'm not yeah. wearing a polar or you know one of the monitors, and sure. I'll just usually now it's so ingrained that it, I don't have to think yeah, about it's, it. It's in your body, but I do so 29 you, to 32. Yes, yeah, usually my range. Yeah. So the idea is to always stay. What I teach people is to stay absolutely consistent. Don't ever change your cadence. Yep. What you change is your stride length. Right. By relaxing more, the more you relax, the longer your stride gets. Okay, if you keep your cadence the same, but gain three more inches per stride, what does that equal? You're going to go further. You're going to go faster. In fact, right, right. Well, further per, further per stride. Same, further same per stride. Yeah. You're getting three more inches even per stride. That's speed. You get to go home early. Does that, but, is that, but that creates a greater load on your heart and your breathing. It's, it is more. Not necessarily. Really? No, no, not at all. That's why, huh. you know. <laughs> I want to go try this. Yeah, <laughs> kind of really like itching to run out the door. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a gas when you get into it. It's really fun. And, um, but uh, to get people to do that, that's, that's one of the more difficult parts of um, yeah. teaching or learning chi running is how to relax. And that is that is my work, is to get people to relax. It's because it's relaxing, but not losing your posture. Exactly. So that's so a hard So you're thing. gathering in one place, but yeah. you're relaxing in another. Your core is, is yin. Your yeah. hips and arms are yang. They're very relaxed. They're not, they're totally loose. There's an image in, in Tai Chi called uh, needle in cotton. And you think about, sticking a needle vertically down through a little ball of cotton, you know? Yep. Your postural alignment, mm -hmm. that line is the needle. You know, needles are tempered. They don't bend very easily. They're yeah, just right. straight and it's very thin. It's gathered. Everything outside of that needle is cotton, soft, no mm -hmm. substance, as loose as you can make it, free, you know? Oh. So if you're really relaxed in your moving parts, that does not increase your heart rate. Yeah, significantly. Right. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. But if you're pumping big quads and pulling with your hamstrings yeah. and doing all that kind of work, that's going to increase your heart rate. Yeah, right. Quickly. Right. But this way, it doesn't. So, you know, I can do, um, you know, at this point, I can run, I don't know, probably a nine minute pace at 120 heart rate. Wow. 120. That's, that's like really low. That's like, I have to. <laughs> I'm about to fall asleep, you know? Yeah, right, right, totally. <laughs> yeah. Do and you... that's not because I'm massively conditioned. It's just I'm very efficient. I, my heart doesn't work that hard. What kind of running shoes do you wear? I'm right now using um, Zero Shoes. Which are have you made... heard of them? I, I, I think I have, but I've never tried them. Yeah, they're them. made in China, but the company's out of Boulder. Okay. Uh, really good shoe. They're... Um, 
I like them. I like the Lems. I like Merrill's. Um, New Bells Minimus are good. But uh, yeah, Zero Shoes are awesome. Um, I really like them. And I also. Are they Zero Drop? Is that why they're called Zero Shoes? Yeah. Yeah. Zero Drop, and they're also pretty minimal. And then if I'm doing trails or a longer event, I use Ultras. Yep. Because they're uh, Zero Drop, but they have different thicknesses. And I do like a little bit of cushioning, you know. Um, in the in the minimalist shoes, I cannot run as fast as I like to downhill. In the minimalist shoes, yeah. Huh. In the minimal shoes. Oh, the, the minimal shoes, not the minimalist shoes. Minimal shoes, yeah. Um, but it would apply to the minimalist. Oh, zero too. shoes. I've seen these guys. I'm on their website yeah. right now. Um, I've yeah. seen the founder. He's a little. Steven he's, a little Session. he's a little crazy. I mean, he's a little. Oh, he's totally crazy. He's totally crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's that's why his hair is the way it is. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he's in, he's he was I think his first product was basically a piece of rubber that he just he sold you the rubber and the strap like it was yeah. a build build yourself. Yeah, you make it yourself. You build. He your, was like right. a precursor to like the Luna sandal by you know Barefoot Ted. You know, as a Luna sandal, they were right head-to-head -head competitors, man. <laughs> wow. Oh, this is cool. I have not been back to his... Because I think I bought a pair of those about six or seven years ago about the build them yourself. And my wife, yeah. of course, laughed me out of the house. My wife is not into all this stuff. <laughs> and she's a big, big fashion. She loves, you know, Jimmy Choo. Oh, yeah. I can't get her out of her high heels, which drives me crazy. Oh, my God. Oof. I can't. And she's short. She's five, you know, she's barely five feet. And, yeah. and she's around, you know, a lot of people. In the, she's in a Hollywood business. And... Um, yeah just you know it's just inner it's just part and i and i've given up trying and but yeah. i can't wear i cannot wear like strapped you know pieces of rubber with ties you know that makes me look <laughs> Their like newest I, sandals are awesome yeah no i'm looking at them right now they're 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 they, really they cool really nice you know snap lacing and yep. all kinds of stuff it's they're awesome they're great shoes so the lena so, shoes or the prio shoes or um, prios are great yeah People i really like them. the prios yeah yeah, they're and really cool. You know, and if your feet have that little twinge, that sharp kind of needly twinge, yep. I would also suggest uh, wearing um, a thing called Correct Toes. What is that? And they're, they're designed by a podiatrist called Ray McClanahan up in Portland. And they are little, tiny, very soft rubber spreaders. And they spread your toes so that it really gives more room to those wow. metatarsal heads yep. and the osmoid bones. That's what you're feeling as a pinched nerve down in there. I figured that that's what it was. It's been going on yeah. now. I started wearing uh, back when, jeez, um, what are they called? The the the, the, the Vibram uh, Five Fingers. Five I, Fingers, yeah. I started wearing Five Fingers back when they were brand new. You know, I'm an early yeah. adopter of stuff, so I try sure. everything. And I started wearing them, and I started wearing them for CrossFit workouts and running on concrete. This is before I even knew really what my technique was supposed to be. Yeah. And that's when I started experiencing this, these sharp pains and, and, uh, that God, that was like 12 years ago, yeah. but they, they only, they don't, they never really came about from any specific thing. Like I could do a box jump and yeah. never feel them. And then I'm walking through my bedroom, you know, yeah. two days later and all of a sudden, pow, I get a little zinger and, yeah. um, never. Well, these little toe spreaders really help free up those osmoid bones and you can wear them inside your shoes. That's the beauty of them. Wow. Those are cool. They are very cool. I, I've turned a lot of people, we sell them on our website. A lot of people use them inside their shoes. My wife wears them all day. And, and do you, do your, do your shoes, do your feet actually tr get, learn how to, 
be there? Yes. Or do they are they always reliant on these on these? No, things? no. It actually corrects your feet. So you've seen a lot of people. Your wife probably look at her big toe. It probably points in towards the rest of her toes. Yep. This helps spread them, so your feet actually take a natural shape. Uh, okay, I'm I'm gonna order these as soon as we hang up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first thing I've They're seen great. that makes sense. You know, like podiatrists are like, well, you need insoles. And I'm like, I don't believe in insoles. No, 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 We're no. Not doing that. No, this guy's the first podiatrist that doesn't believe a lot in just the normal podiatry stuff. I love He's it. He's really good. What do you think of hookah shoes? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look at it this way. You know, you take, you take a ball bearing. It's the same thing with those two balls of different densities that you had. Yep. You take a ball bearing. And you right. bounce it on a concrete floor, it comes back up. You bounce it on a carpet, it stays down. Yep. That's what a ho hoka does. I call them hokies. Hokies, right. They're hokey. But, they're um, super they were, light. It's kind of weird. When I first saw one, a buddy of mine uh, was wearing it in the yeah. gym, and I'm like, dude, what are those shoes? They look like they're, they weigh you know, three pounds each, and yeah. they weigh nothing. No, and, they're light. And, but the, yeah. problem, the problem is with most shoes, and you've probably learned this from wearing those Minima shoes, is that... The ideal shoe that you want to wear is one that allows your foot to really be a foot. Yes. It doesn't do anything to the foot. Yes. It doesn't make it not do something and doesn't make it do something. So if you have a, a shoe like the Hoka that's an inch thick, they don't bend. Your foot really likes to bend when yep. you move, yep. right? If you buy narrow-toed shoes, your toes really were built to spread. So yep. when they can't spread, all of a sudden it stiffens your foot and you don't run the same. Right. If you have... Um, you know, a heel that's too high, it's going to put too much pressure on your metatarsal heads. So you don't want shoes that make your shoes do something other than be a foot. They need to be flexible, wide, pliable, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, the only change you would make is in the thickness of the bottom, depending on how much you want to feel or not feel the ground. And so um, the Hoka's were, you know, designed by uh, ultra marathon trail runners in Utah somewhere. And these guys... They're great if all you're doing is hammering down 18,000 feet of downhill through scree slopes. Because they protect you from, you know, like a major, you know, rock or bruising at the bottom of your foot or... Yeah, but when you start going uphill or start running flat, they yeah. have, you have no business having those on your feet. That's the only function they really... Because it's squish, 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 and that, that yeah. destroys your efficiency. When I, I've tried wearing... Um, Skechers made a shoe that was a knockoff of Hoka's, so I tried those once. And my legs were so tired at the end of wearing just a regular run. Um, I, they were so tired at the end of my run, I felt like, oh, my God, how, how can people wear these things? There's so much work because yep. they're too soft. You know, you need that resilience. What kind of um, tools do you recommend people use to assist them in their in their running? Or are there any tools? Like, do you to prescribe uh, heart rate monitors? Do you, like, what do you, what do you like? I'm not that into heart rate monitors. You know, I love Phil Mathetone's method. is a great way to train if you've got lots of time. Yeah, right, right. It works great, really yeah. does. And, um, but I don't like wearing a heart rate monitor. Most people don't, unless you can afford an iWatch or whatever, Apple Watch or something. Yeah. But, um so I'm not that into that kind of gear. I'm not really into the Garmin's and the whole sensing what your body's doing and all that stuff. The only tool I use is a countdown timer on my watch okay. and a little metronome, a little clip-on metronome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Beep, steady. Beep. You know, I so I've got this. I got this little tiny clip-on thing here. You know? There's yeah. A <laughs> it's, it's a I haven't this used it in a, a while. That's the more, more recent version is this of Got Seiko, it. but we're the largest seller of those Seiko metronomes in the United States. Really? 
Yeah, because that's how we teach it. And so, that's you know, just for your rhythm. So that's just to get yeah. your cadence up to a 180 or a, you know, yeah, whatever. So it is. if I, when I turn this on, it's like step, 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 yep. step, step, step. So um, it's, uh, and then you keep the cadence the same. And then I train people to, okay, see if you can match the metronome throughout your whole run. Don't miss a single beat, but try going uphill, downhill, right. faster, slower. You have to change your stride length in order to do that. Yes. Right. It's a great way to learn. Right. So, yeah. What are the, um, if you were to give, you know, three pieces of, I don't know if it's three pieces, two pieces, one piece of advice to someone who's a runner, you're never going to see him again. And <laughs> you would say, look, I want to give you, I want to impart my wisdom in his, in these three simple steps or two simple steps or one thing. What would you tell them? And you're never, you, you never get a chance to follow up with them. They just have to Great. do this. Okay. The first step would be go to our website. No, <laughs> <laughs> They're on, you're on a desert Island <laughs> and you're flying off of it in, in three minutes, you know, <laughs> see you later. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I would, um, I would tell them just what I told you. I'd say make sure you have good posture and you don't break at the middle. Make sure your center is always ahead of your feet mm -hmm. and make sure you're picking up your feet, not pushing off. That's a lifetime of work right there. Right. 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 Those three things. Okay. That, I mean, that's really chi running in a nutshell, right? I mean, that's... In a nutshell, then, you know, there's all the running in different gears, different yeah. stride lengths, pelvis, arm swing, leg swing, all that stuff. There, there are things that refine that. Those are the basic three principles, though. Yeah, for sure. Somebody could figure it out through those, just doing those three things, but they might not have the whole picture, but they would be way better than they are now. What'd you do to your finger? I just saw your finger in the video. I built custom furniture. Oh, right. Jeez. So good old table saw took a bite. Oh, man. <laughs> That's all right. I tell people I can only count to nine and three quarters now. <laughs> My son would get a kick out of that because... Um, I remember I was I was the subject of show and tell back when he was in like kindergarten because I I had my toenails removed when mm -hmm. my big toe my big toenails removed when I was in uh, doing adventure racing because they would adventure always racing. they would always get ingrown they would always come back and they would grow they would dig into the skin and then get infected and I went to a podiatrist once I'm like is what can I do about this and he goes well we could just take them out I'm like okay what do I need my big toenails for like <clears throat> do Nothing. they serve any purpose they don't that you know they really don't and uh, he cut them out and lazed off the root and um, they have been infinitely perfect since they just look they look ridiculous maybe I'll, I'll have to post a picture of them on the website <laughs> Marshall Ulrich, <laughs> my good friend Marshall Ulrich who is uh, yeah that's right I met him in the, one of the first eco challenges and he yeah, had his yeah. toenails removed right 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 all he had of all of them removed <laughs> but yeah. then that guy has done you know every peak over 8,000 meters he's done Death Valley a billion times yeah. he's well, he's out there. He is definitely out there. Yeah. What What is your um, What are you up to now? Like personally, where Where are you training for anything? Are you? Yeah. Well, let's see. Am I train? I'm I'm going to be training a group of runners for the. I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so every winter, over the winter, I train a group of runners to do the Asheville Marathon, and it's all done on the Biltmore property. So if you can imagine running running a marathon in somebody's backyard. Wow. You know? 
That's basically what it is. It's a gorgeous. Um, yeah, and the land was designed by Frederick Law Olmsted. So, you know, same guy did Golden Gate Park and oh, wow. Central Park and stuff. So it's a beautiful race, really fun. So I'll, I'm going to be starting that pretty soon. And then um, the other thing that I'm doing, it's kind of ongoing, but it's really my passion right now is developing a thing I call the Chi Running School. So, you know, I can, I have instructors that teach us stuff all over the world, but I wanted something that people could actually practice on their own. And then at some point, if they want to check in with an instructor, they could. But this school is really fun because I've um, developed, it's a series of 104 lessons. That's one a week for two years. Right. That's a lot of lessons. That's a lot of lessons. So every Saturday and one gets delivered to your inbox and oh, it's wow. like a little 10 minute video of just one thing, mm -hmm. how to hold your arms, how to hold your posture, how to, you know, how to engage your core, how to relax your hips. One thing, mm -hmm. just one thing. And I, cause I've realized that over the years that it's so much to remember that people have a hard time yeah. remembering. Yep. Yep. So I'm just doing a spoon at a time. Yep. You know? And so you get this little video once a week and then with it comes an audio download. So put it on your iPhone and do this one lesson, only one lesson all week, mm. every run, just focusing on one thing. Mm. And that's neural training. Right. Okay. That sets up your neural transmitters to have a really good link to whatever it is that you're trying to learn a new habit. That's how you break an old habit or learn a new one right. repetition. Right. Okay. So uh, they get delivered once a week and then the next week you get a new lesson, start over, you know, what do I do in this week? And oh, then you cool. upload it. And it's, it's wonderful. People are having a really good time with that's it. It's a subscription and service, right? You get, a, you get it from your website. Service. Yep. Yeah. A subscription service. And, and uh, you know, people go to our website, it's chirunning.com right on the front page of the website. Uh, there's a, a button that says uh, three things that keep you from being a better runner. You click on that. It kind of, and introduces you into the whole school and into what we're doing, but it's a it's a free three videos yep, and you I see it. you yeah you watch all those and then throughout the, I think the third one we send you to a little uh, little landing page to explain what the school is about and everything and yeah we've had people just send us love letters about it it's really they're really doing they love it because it's one thing to do once a week. And if you do it solid for a week, it actually starts getting ingrained. So you don't space out and forget to do it the next week. It's just added on to your, you know, put into your wallet there. <laughs> do you have a specific um, routine that you like to follow for effectiveness in your life? Like the ha habits yeah. you want to keep and what you're kind of yeah. what you're up to, not necessarily about running? Yeah, I do. Because, you know, I was, I was looking at, you know, because you do the whole life challenge. I looked it up and I thought, wow, what are the cool seven things these guys do, you know? Right. right. And, um, and what, I, um, what I realized is that uh, I do a lot of those things really? <laughs> just every day. Yep. Yeah. I'll give you an example. So, um, so now I've been running 45 years. Yep. All right. And um, so I start my day. I have a very kind of a set routine. So every morning I want to start my day well. So I start off with a sitting meditation and then I go into a series of uh, strengthening, stretching exercises. And then I go out for my run and I do different runs depending on what I'm training for. 
And then uh, when I come back, I usually, um, I don't eat right away, but I will make myself a juice. We do, I have an organic garden and so I can juice stuff right out of the garden. And then a little later in the morning, I'll have a, a light breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I really only eat one main meal a day. I have a light breakfast, wow. a couple of eggs and toast or something like that. But then I'll have a, a regular meal um, midday and sometimes in the evening. But generally, I try to do it midday. And then, um, so, and then I mixed in there, I uh, do all the work because I'm, you know, I'm at work by nine or 10 in the morning mm -hmm. and I take a break like at the midday to eat my meal. And then I'm back at work again. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, and then the evenings, I, um, I try not to work in the evenings. It doesn't work well. And in fact, I try to even be off of screens after eight o'clock. Right? No screens after eight because it disturbs your sleep. Yep. That's one of those. Like when, when I saw the category lifestyle and mm -hmm. the whole life challenge, that's yeah. one of those for me. Yeah. You don't eat after eight and you don't be on a screen after eight. Yeah, we've, do the we've done various challenges. Uh, the lifestyle practice in the challenge we wrote, <clears throat> we change week by week as the challenge progresses. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so um, we've done various forms of that. Like, no, you know, some of them have been around reducing your connection to screens. So like we, we had one week where it was no social media week yeah. at all. You couldn't check mm -hmm. in. If you checked into social media at all, you lost, yeah. a, you lost your points for that day, um, yeah. which that upset a lot of people. <laughs> um, it's a good thing though. Yeah. The, we, we had another one where you, um, no screens during any mealtime. So you yeah. know, no TV, Absolutely. no, no iPad, no phone. Yeah, you know, during mealtime. So we, we've, we've engaged in that just as a practice. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I love that practice of, it's hard because I like to watch TV at night. So um, sure. that's a, I, sometimes I'll put on my blue blocking glasses, which helps. I don't think that's really the answer. Yeah. Um, no, I just, we just make sure we cut it off as before yeah. eight or if we're in a movie, we'll go to nine, but you know, yeah. that's it. There's nothing. I don't do email. I don't do Facebook after that time, yep. you know, so and then, um, so then in the evening, I, you know, I have a system of also dropping my energy back down again, getting ready for sleep. Mm -hmm. And so then I'll sometimes do um, uh, another meditation or some kind of internal focusing work, reviewing the day, mm -hmm. um, just settling my energy in before. And then I'll sometimes just read before I go to sleep. So it, it, it goes in this whole cycle. Yeah, right. You, know, That's you want to build in the morning and you know and i don't sleep that much i usually average five to six hours a night wow and but so you and you don't set an alarm i'm guessing no right so you just no, wake i up just naturally. wake up oh. <laughs> so you're up at five or so or what time you... yeah yeah what how long is your meditation in the morning like what before you run how long does that part take Thir that takes 30 minutes my stretching and strengthening takes about 30 minutes maybe a little more my run usually takes an hour and um and so my the start of my day can take you know a couple hours yeah yeah just dedicated to that and it's but it's worth it yeah you know it's it's really worth it because i'm my whole thing and the and the whole thing i've learned from tai chi is that um you know there's qigong and there's tai chi tai chi is a martial art qigong is more a health related just vibrancy cultivating chi in your system 
but uh, qi, qigong and tai chi, the Chinese call it longevity training. Mm. I love that phrase. Well, qigong yeah. is spelled differently than tai chi, right? Qi, qigong is yeah. qi, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a different kind of qi. Dif- what's the difference? Well, the qi in tai chi isn't the isn't the same energy. Uh, it's 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 for a different word. Um, it's the the qi and qigong is the actual qi that flows through your body. Okay. Okay. The the qi and tai chi has some. I don't know the exact definition, but it's it's not the same. Huh. Interesting. It uses qi. I, I never really. Until this moment, I hadn't really thought of that they were the same and yet different. So I sometimes they even spell it with a Q as well, Tai Chi. Oh, really? Yeah, they actually do. I've seen it in China; it's spelled the same way. Oh, wow! So, but there is a subtle difference between when you use it, when you don't. But it's longevity training, huh. and so the whole thing about longevity training is about nutrition. Yeah. It's about exercise. What, what kind of diet do you follow? What do you, do you, uh, what, what do you? How do you? Mostly I know organic. You, yeah. Mostly organic, uh, mostly kind of paleo, uh, lots of veggies, tons, Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of grains, and not a lot of carbs, with the exception of, like, I really love ice cream every now and then, you know, something like that. I so do, too. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about um, fats? Do you eat a lot of fats or not so much? Yeah, yeah. Avocados, oil? Yep, avocados. I'm not afraid to eat bacon. I'm not, you know, I, you know... Uh, bread is a vehicle for butter. That's Absolutely. that's one of my favorite phrases. Right. And um, you know, so yeah, I'm I'm uh, I just try to stay away from the carbs. Right. Right. You do that, you're pretty good. Except for the veggies. Know? Except for the veggies. Yeah, and the veggies. Right. Yeah, and we we cook every meal fresh. We don't eat canned food, processed food, packaged food, none of that stuff. What, what and I don't eat I don't eat wheat and I'm very minimal on dairy except I just happen to love cheese. <laughs> right, right. Well, and ice cream. Cheese and ice cream. Right. Yeah. I, I and even ice cream, I'm getting to the point where we have a Vitamix, uh-huh. you know. Yep. And so I'll just go to Trader Joe's and get a bunch of frozen fruit. Right. And uh, put it in the blender, frozen, and then I just put in coconut milk and zip it, and I've Never got a. It. Great ice cream man with no dairy and it's I've awesome. I've never tried that. Wow. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that would be hard to recreate vanilla and chocolate with that, but you could certainly do some really good fruit flavors. Yeah. No, you can even do vanilla. Yeah. What would you put I in? The, what would you put in the blender for vanilla? For vanilla, I put in I put in coconut milk. Uh huh. Okay. Or almond milk. Yep. And then I sweeten it with honey. Uh huh. Um, and then I just just this. Uh, that's just it. that. Just with, yeah, with some what ice. I would do is what I do is I freeze my coconut milk in ice cube trays. Oh, huh. Yeah, it works. Huh. <laughs> Put all the ice cubes in the blender. Yeah, right. Pour in the coconut milk. Pour in a little liquid coconut milk to get it rolling. Yeah, right. Pour vanilla and um, honey, and you're good to go. You don't really need um, when you when you have frozen fruit. You don't really need to freeze your coconut milk, right? So you right. Nope. Right. Nope. I gotta try that. I have frozen fruit. Just in the enough fridge. liquid to make it pretty stiff. Yeah. Because that would avoid, you know, like on nights when I have a craving for ice cream, um, I could actually have, I, I mean, I have to be careful with fruit because I, tr- I try to follow a ketogenic diet. And mm-hmm. so I'm really sensitive to, to carbohydrates and sugar. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, if you overeat fruit, you can have the same 
it can have the same effect on your blood sugar levels as 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 you know sugar and ice cream. So yeah. I just so don't I just have to be ones with fruit. Yeah, you know, I don't need to. You know, just yeah. Yeah, that's really anyway, interesting. It's great. I mean, I tell you what, the other tool that I have a Vitamix. Yeah, I have one too. I love my Vitamix. <laughs> I can't can't live without it. We use know? we I, use um. It's funny. My my wife makes her shakes. I I put butter in my coffee, butter and and MCT oil. Yeah, that's and, smart. And um, she, I just heard about that this week. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I good friend of mine did that, and it's a great, great healthy thing for you. I do. I also do tea, which is interesting. I put butter in my tea. I, you know, so like it's not you're not limited to just coffee if you're not a coffee. I've been drinker. thinking of trying it. Yeah, I have some. But we use we bought a uh, Nutribullet, which um, you know, my wife doesn't like the the smell or something of the butter or the coffee or something in the blender. So we were using a Vitamix and she would have to scrub the, the blender before oh, she yeah. used it every time. And, and when we bought the Nutribullet, it was like, oh, it comes with two little, two little containers. It's very small on the counter. So um, it's a very convenient way. If, you're not, if you don't have something hardcore to blend, like a big old shake or something, with, it's a great alternative. Okay. Oh, um, but uh, cool. yeah. So That and our juicer, that's our, my other tool. Right. What kind of juicer yeah. do you use? We have big omega masticating juicer. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, familiar with that. I like the pulp. I drink it. You know, it's great. You like the pulp? Yeah, I don't drink the leftover pulp, but the whatever's in the in the in juice. The juice yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, Danny, I really just appreciate the time we've spent and you yeah. sharing your wisdom and experiences. And um, um, I mean, I, I'm going to go out and incorporate. A lot of what we talked about, or I'm going to try it anyway. I mean, yeah. I he heck, I may at some point have to get my pose, my uh, chi running, you know, yeah. certification because I, I I'd love, love for you to come to a training. They're so I fun. love coaching running. I, 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 yeah. I don't do it. You know, it's interesting because as a CrossFit coach, it was always hard for me. You know, I did that for 12 years, and yeah. it was always <laughs> difficult to figure out how to teach running to a group of people who were in massive different stages in their running and sure. and they weren't willing to spend more than about 5 minutes in discussing yeah. what to do you know like and yeah. so i i just uh, i i just kind of gave i didn't really give up people yeah. that came to me and i could shoot video of and i could really take my time and work with yeah. them on i work with those people but in classes mm -hmm. i kind of I, I did some fun warm up drills where you're you know you're leaning and you're you know, pulling and your, you know, that was a pose yeah. running thing, but, um, you know, finding your center of gravity in that one, but, but it was very hard. It just takes more time. You have yeah. to have more, time. it's not a quick fix. Right. You know? Right. And, and if I only had five minutes with people once a week or twice a week, I would, I would teach them something new for five minutes. Right. Right. Then I'd review it the next week and do it the next week. But I would only, I would teach them one thing. It's it's know? one of the challenges of CrossFit is there's so many things. You know, you're working on Olympic weightlifting, you're working yeah. on strength, on on isometric holding, you're working on abdominal conditioning, you're working on yeah. body weight awareness, and so it's there. It's yeah. it, that's it's one of the downsides actually because there's so much br breadth of things to work yeah. on. You know, exactly. And, um, and most people are there for a pretty good burn. You know. Yeah and fitness and chi running doesn't create a huge burn unless you do the performance version of it yeah. you know but then you have to know the technique in order to hit the gas yeah you know what i mean you don't want to be hitting the gas with poor technique or you're gonna like kill yourself yeah right do right. something dangerous so i do have a whole performance series that takes chi running to the next whole level oh cool 
but you have to know how to move your body really yeah. well and then we'll fine tune it to where you well, know cuz it's it's a little bit like people that would just jump into barefoot running and take their shoes off and then run for a 5k like it's just and like dive the next day. <laughs> yeah uh, or you know do some damage internally to you yeah. know to to things that take or do damage to knees or other point, parts of the body because yeah. the body is just not used to that. So The body has its own timetable and you got to respect that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and so do we and we have to get on to other parts of our days. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. so, so thank you so much. You know, it's been yeah. really, really fun to talk and uh, I look forward to meeting you um, yeah. at some point. Next, and, um, next I'll come to LA, LA sometime or if you want to visit a cool town, come to Asheville. I'd love to. I'd love to. That yeah. sounds like really cool. I've never been to, well, let's see. I was in the Marines. I was in um, Camp Lejeune, North uh, South Carolina. Yeah. Um, just for a short time, but, uh, hot and humid and flat. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Miserably hot. Miserably. Yeah. I was there in the summer too. It was miserably oh, yeah. hot. Yeah. No, we're up in the mountains. It's a nice place. Well, cool. Um, hey, and, uh, well, so people, people can find you on your website, obviously. Are you, do you yeah. have a Twitter presence or Instagram presence or Facebook? We do have a Facebook presence. I, I'm supposed to have a Twitter and Instagram, but I'm kind of lame in that direction. Okay. But but we do have a Facebook page, Chi okay. Running. Uh, chi, it's called Chi Running, Chi Walking, slash, you know, in between them. And because uh, we cover walkers too, you know, and there's a lot more people in the world that walk than run. Yeah. And there's a lot of, a big part of our audience that will be really interested in that. Yeah. Because it's, you know, they're exactly. like, like my mom. My mom is a walker, not a runner. Oh, yeah. And so um, chiwalking.com is the website and chiwalking slash chirunning is the Facebook page. And and uh, we have all kinds of fun things we're doing on both. We always have sales and specials and free this and I'm visiting here. And, you know, I just a, a quick ending note. Next spring, I'm going to be teaching instructor trainings in uh, People's Republic of China in India, wow, and uh, and one in Germany. Wow. So um, we're really branching out there. India is hot, huh. and so is China. Both of them are just booming with running. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. That's really yeah. uh, hadn't really even thought about that. I know it's fun. They have 1.4 billion people. Yeah, yeah right. I want to make harness that power. Yeah, right. Cents on each person. Can I, I, I'll take a penny for each person. That's I'll fine. I'll take a penny me. for each person. <laughs> I won't get greedy. I'll take a half a cent. Yeah, that's know? right. All right, Danny. Thanks again. Thanks, Danny. It was really fun. Okay. Take care. You have a good day. You too. Oh, yeah. The Whole Life Podcast is produced by our podcast team Winslow Jenkins, Becca Borowski, and Ernie Hurtado. You can find all of our episodes, links, and complete show notes at wholelifechallenge.com forward slash podcast. The way that I've found is the best way to listen to podcasts is to subscribe so that episodes automatically get delivered right to your mobile device. You can do that in any podcast app on your phone. And hey, if you like the podcast, please do me a favor. Go to iTunes and give it a five-star rating and recommend it to your friends. I'm Andy Petronic. And thanks so much for listening.